Hi, everybody. I'm Dale Sparagi, love and relationship coach and host of this podcast, New Wave Relationships, about all things relationships, relationship to self, others more than other, couples, singles, breakups, and dating. What's new in relationships and how relationships are changing and evolving, especially post-COVID, post-digital, post Me Too, and sadly to say, post no Roe versus Wade. So we're talking about finding love and losing love, creating lasting love and lifestyle. I'm thinking of this as a forum for relationships. So please, if you have any burning questions, send them in. Or here's something novel. If you'd like some coaching, if you're struggling with something in your relationship and you'd be willing to do the session here so others can benefit, please email me at dale at creativecorecoaching.com. In this episode of the New Wave Relationships podcast, Dale and I will be discussing the synchronicities between the unconscious, art, creativity, and relationships. How is creativity a lens for looking at relationships? What can creativity teach us about relationships and vice versa? Dale and I are both artists with backgrounds in coaching and psychology. Some buzzwords in this episode are Jungian psychology, collective, personal, unconscious, and attachment theory. Hello, and welcome to the New Wave Relationships podcast. And today we are at our 11th episode, which is the unconscious creativity and relationships. And Dale and I have decided to talk a bit about this because of our backgrounds in art and relationships. And we'll get more into that in a little bit. Kind of our theme for this episode is what can we learn about relationships from art and creativity, as well as what can we learn about art and creativity from relationships? This type of inverse interrelated relationship between these three things it's a pretty open-ended topic, which can make it kind of hard to talk about. So I'm going to start us off with some basic structure, maybe a little bit of theory on psychology related to this. So we feel a little more secure. So kind of get ready for a bit of a creative ocean episode, just to say that. We're starting with relating this artistic, creative conversation with relationships. We're starting it with relating to the unconscious the unconscious mind. Freud, in his psychological writings, um, generally was pretty reductivist about the unconscious. He had the ego, he had the superego, he had the id, and he had the conscious and the unconscious. And I'm not going to get into all that because I'm not focusing too much on him, but basically his idea in the relationship of unconsciousness into art was that the creative process was an alternative to neuroses, which neuroses basically meant to him back in the day, mental illness. So basically that creativity was sort of a defense mechanism against the negative effects of neuroses. And it was a way to translate that psychic energy, as he called it, into something more socially acceptable that could entertain and please others. Where after a lot of his work, there was a protege he had named Carl Jung, who was a little more optimistic, I think, maybe a bit more open-minded and less, um, what's the word, 
um, pessimistic about some of his views. And Jung took the definition of the unconscious and made two other terms, having two layers of the unconscious mind. And these were the personal and the collective unconscious. The personal is more like interrelative, more like you and me. And that is kind of temporal, forgotten information, repressed memories, things that happen in your life that are in your body, including things such as complexes. So a collection of feelings, thoughts, and attitudes, memories, focusing on a single concept, which is an idea of a phobia, for example. Then you have the collective unconscious, which is more of a universal version of the personal unconscious, where we can hold kind of memory traces and patterns which are shared with other members in the general human species. So this can be family, it can be um, ancestry, people like you, people who share similar bodies, similar archetypes, similar ways of being, similar stories. And he is the one who came up with the definition of archetypes, right? So ancestral memories cut in this universal theme in various cultures, which he discovered as an idea through cultures having similar literatures, arts, and dreams. So this shared cultures having a hero's journey experience, okay? He actually believed opposingly to Freud that art was a way of accessing cultural expression collective unconsciousness and personal unconsciousness. So it was a channel. Art and creativity is a channel for our inner traumas, inner workings, and you know, deep personal stuff that we're not really looking at. And this is where, you know, creativity and art is not there. How does that show up in our lives? Well, it can show up as shadow projections, for example, which is another term by Jung, which is where, you know, from the unconscious, aspect of our personality, sometimes we have things in our lives that don't correspond with how we see ourselves. We want to be not greedy, but suddenly we are greedy and we don't want to accept that. So instead we project onto our partners or people we love that they are greedy and call them out for it. And it's kind of an emotional blind spot where our ego resists, um, you know, a way of being that we don't like. From our shadow selves, from this deep self within, we get in relationships and we can get into fighting and calling each other out and projecting our feelings and thoughts onto each other. And also in art, we can express this and let this out on a canvas. So, you know, how can we be more creative in our relationships and our lives to avoid some of these shadow projections, for example? How can we look at that in a creative way and say, oh, maybe it's not that. Maybe, you know, maybe this is something about me and really take, take a look at ourselves. Does all that kind of add up, Dale? Do you think I'm missing anything? Because I said a lot there. It's a great kind of entry into what we're talking about. And um, what come, you know, what, what I think about right away with Jung is man and his symbols you know, which was one of the first books that I read about um, Jung and his his um, psychology and philosophy. And of course, being an artist, I was very I was very attracted to that because these symbols are, um, you know, they're very artistic. They're art. 
So um, that's one thing. And then the other thing about what what, what you're talking about, about the shadow is, um, you know, there's, there's, I really believe, and from the reading that I've done on Jung, is that the shadow comes out no matter what. We cannot keep our shadow under wraps, right? It is part of us. And if we don't accept it and acknowledge it, it will find a way to infiltrate. It will find a way to seep out somehow. So the more we're aware of our own shadows, the better, the healthier that we are. And truthfully, the healthier our relationships are. Because then we're not projecting onto our partner. Then we're taking ownership. Yeah, this is my dark place. And if we're in a healthy relationship, the beauty of that is being able to share our dark places with another and be vulnerable and have that kind of ugly side of us be also loved and accepted by someone that cares about us. Definitely. And this is where, like, we see this in the arts in the world. This is where, you know, just to jump right into it, a definition of art is basically, you know, the expression of human creative skill and imagination, and usually a visual manner or, you know, an audio manner where it shows beauty or emotional power or even dark things. And we see this in the arts. We see, you know, the birth of Venus, for example, as this gorgeous painting, you know, with deep colors and just a really dramatic display of Venus, right? And it has a lot of beauty. And our relationships also can have a lot of beauty and a lot of deep emotional power in them. And I think that's just a very interesting coincidence, you know? And creativity, for example, is the use of that imagination or original idea and, you know, the essence of art, basically. And creativity in relationships, I think, is also being able to think outside of the box on something. You know, it's being able to not think with the mainstream and kind of go with the flow of what everyone else says is right for you. It's going kind of what is right for you guys and possibly thinking outside of maybe what your parents have told you or, um, you know, what is traditional and maybe your culture and stepping out of that and finding what feels right for both of us and our story and what art piece are we making together. And if we're having shadow come up, how are we creatively working with that? to make this fun. If it is really, you know, like you're saying, Dale, if it is happening, if it's going to happen, how are we, you know, integrating it in a whole and healthy way? Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things to look at is that both art and relationship come from the unconscious, you know, how we create art when we, when you and I are both artists. So, you know, I know my process when I sit down to make some art, I don't all, I, I very rarely know what I'm going to make. I might have like a little spark of something or some inspiration, but honestly, I don't know what if there, there's this blank canvas and my materials and I kind of just dive in. And I think it, it, that metaphor is can be very similar to how we are in relationships. Very often we're not clear about what we're really creating in a relationship. It's coming 
from a very unconscious place, how we're attracted, why we're attracted, right? That's a, that's a, that's a mystery. That's a very unconscious mystery, right? So, so what, and then what we do together within this, you know, creative space of how we're going to be in this relationship, what we're going to make together is, is very similar. And Dale, would you mind sharing a bit about your art background? You have some degrees as well. Don't forget to say those. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for asking. Um, I actually, my, my, both my undergraduate and graduate degrees are in art. In my undergraduate, I did kind of the whole gamut of printmaking and sculpture and painting and was a working artist for several years. I was painting, you know, large abstract pieces that were selling in galleries and um, started to have some success and then um, really got kind of sidetracked by um, my marriage falling apart and then getting into a relationship um, that was very complex with someone that, that, um, was diagnosed as as a narcissist having narcissistic personality disorder so my art sort of kind of got put on the side and i really started to focus on how did i end up first of all you know ending you know getting out of this marriage and now with this person this unhealthy person and and i really needed to to understand this so i um I went into training with Catherine Woodward Thomas. I did some of her work and I realized that this is really what I wanted to do. Like this became so important to me um, of understanding relationships and how I found my way through and really wanting to pay it forward and help others find their way through. And so now, you know, I see where a lot of my art background though is coming into my coaching and you know coaching is really about making the unconscious conscious and it's also about vision holding a vision and and kind of allowing like we do in the process of art allowing things to take us allowing things to come up allowing our intuition to give us information and following that and and so why don't you share a little bit about your your background and how you kind of have tied the art and the psychology together? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um so my background in the arts is I started performing arts, so musical theater, plays, singing, dance, acting all when I was about seven years old until college and kind of getting back into it in my twenties. Um, I took a kind of hiatus from just the constant workflow of a lot of performing arts where I'm putting on a lot of different characters, not really knowing who I am and kind of having a self rediscovery journey in college about like, okay, I played all these different people. Now, who am I really and what do I need? And at the time, it was much more getting into my pagan practice and my um, 
just agricultural practice and farming work that I like to do. I love horses and I have a ranch of alpacas. So I also do painting and I have canvas paintings. I've done a couple art shows and I would say probably singing and music is my best area where I feel the most myself. And all the time I am practicing growing there as much as possible because I find in my musical work and my arts work, if I am in a relationship, generally my arts go to the side. Like you said, Dale, my arts suddenly disappear and I am enmeshed in a relationship that becomes my art project and becomes my canvas and becomes my band. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And in those relationships, I've had a lot of integral discoveries about who I am and have shifted my life path, have shifted where I'm going and who I am in this life and what my values are, which is significant. And now, currently I'm single and now I'm back in the arts again and I'm writing songs, I'm playing keyboards, I'm playing the drum, I am singing, I'm doing everything possible to put my time into that. After relationships, I I get kind of tired and emotionally, I feel kind of worn. Um, So taking the time to be with myself and kind of integrate in the arts feels like it's healing for me and brings me back a little bit. Yeah, I've just been doing it for my life and I have a psych degree also. So holistic health as well. So thinking about these concepts and the meaning behind them and how it makes us people in relationships is another part of it. Yeah. So that's kind of my art background. Yeah. Thank you. That's great. That's great to to hear that integration. And, you know, I think what you're saying is so interesting about how when we're in relationship, our art sort of takes a back seat. And then what I find sometimes with me is when I'm, when I'm going through, when I'm going through something in my relationship um, with my partner, then I may feel the need to kind of pull out some some of my materials and and explore it what it does for me is it and it sounds like for you too is it brings it brings us back to ourselves there's something about when when we're not clear when we're when we're feeling things are overwhelming or maybe out of our control that bringing out these materials and sitting down and allowing just this kind of free flow of of um energy and creativity to come through really brings us back like you were saying brings us back to a part of ourself that we might have you know been giving away or just not in touch with well in relationship it's it's so easy to get enmeshed pretty quickly um at least for the anxiously avoidantly attached, um, right? Where we kind of become our partners and become part of them, which has a beauty to it. But there's a deep importance to remaining in yourself as well in relationship and not falling into that codependency, even if it feels very comfortable. And I think that what you're saying is right. Keeping your individuation is important and art helps you do that. And at the same time, when we are struggling in relationships, when we're having a hard time when we're kind of reliving trauma on accident, literally art becomes a way to alleviate trauma, you know, and 
Dale, real quick, um, and I see us kind of transitioning a bit into kind of the deeper core of this episode. Could you just tell me what a relationship is real quick? Because what is that? (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm going to use a definition that I love by Daniel Siegel. Um, and he defines relationship as the patterns of interaction between two or more people that involve the sharing of energy and information flow. So very closely related to the process of art, right? The energy, the information flow. Um, it's almost like the metaphor you know, is so clear. Yeah. And I do think that art is a lot like love and creativity is a lot like love where, you know, love is very artistic because it is naturally very complex. It's multidimensional. It's not very scientific. Well, there is scientific about it for sure with chemicals and blah, blah, but I'm not gonna get too much into that. That is the objective part. But when we're talking about the emotional part, we have a very subjective experience where you have two people engaging in love and feeling love. They're holding multiple perspectives. And sometimes those perspectives can differ where literally someone loves someone and someone else doesn't love them. And, you know, it is amazing how love has a felt sense to it, where I can think of different loves for different relationships, but they're all love at the same time. and when you look at an art piece or anything creative, you look at a dance piece, you get an emotional feeling, a felt sense energy from that piece of work that can erupt a feeling from you. It can bring a tear to your eye, just like a really deep conversation with a loved one, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, The, the passion, I think that, that we feel um, through art and and that passion in relationship, um, again, you know that they parallel each other in a way, and um, and the inspiration, you know, being inspired by each other, being um, in that flow of when when you're really relating in just where everything's kind of working, right? It's just coming spontaneously, it's working, it's flowing, and the relationship is is. Um, evolving and growing and there's some sort of synchronicity kind of a rhythm almost um and then there's not because we all know that in relationships we often have you know things to repair there are breakdowns and actually that's a good thing without breakdown and without repair then we don't grow stronger and the parallel in art is when we are blocked, right? When we're having a breakdown, when there's nothing coming. How many artists panic when they're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm blocked. You know, there's, it's not here anymore. Right. And so similar, what do you do? What do you do when you're blocked? What do you do when there's a breakdown in a relationship? And, and different people deal with that in different ways. Right. So in so as a coach, I often say, kind of let things happen. The more we push ourselves, the harder it is. So relaxing with something. And and even Jung would say, the more you resist, that persists. 
right? So when we resist something, when we push against something, when we make ourselves wrong or bad for having a block or for having a breakdown, it just makes it so much worse. Yeah. And passion really is one of the key factors that creates an art piece and creates a relationship. The idea that like an art piece, we can have blockages and in a relationship. You know, I have had times in my life when I'm doing artwork and sometimes I've had a bad habit before when it doesn't happen very often, but I think when I was younger, I I would struggle with it where my creativity would kind of hijack itself with my ego a bit. And the type of paintings that I would create, you know, some would be really from the core of who I was and really alleviating my feelings on things and expressing some deep feelings of shame and depression I had growing up. And then other times it would get hijacked by just my ego a bit, you know, and think about what would the audience love to see here and kind of manufacture an art piece versus allowing it to flow. And it's a very unique experience that I think artists have sometimes of balancing like, okay, what looks good versus what feels good. And, you know, in relationships, we can easily get stuck in like how a relationship is supposed to look, how it's supposed to appear. And, you know, who am I supposed to be with to a point where especially now with like modern dating apps where we're swiping, you know, in the first three seconds of seeing a person, we're, you know, trying to find this perfect person, this golden human, you know, our standards have risen for good reason in some degrees definitely for good reason. And also probably in some selfish reasons and some lustful reasons, you know, and just trying to manufacture relationships to look a certain way and kind of taking away the authenticity of a flow that could happen with someone, you know, allowing a relationship to happen that isn't the ideal can create an amazing story and amazing experiences. Having a relationship that only lasts a certain amount of time versus forever. And also there's challenges with that, but, you know, and it takes some creativity to do that. But I don't know. I I just, it kind of brought that up for me. Yeah. I mean, yes, totally. What you're saying is so spot on, you know, because I remember when in, in my younger years, when I began making art, I was very enamored by other artists. I would see people's work and I would go, oh, I want to make art like that. Right. And I would try, I would like, you know, it would come out like I would, I wouldn't maybe consciously be copying, but there was imitation. And then there was that movement appropriation where people would appropriate other people's art. And I, and I think what you're saying is that in relationships, when we do this, we're actually following someone else's conditioning. We're following someone else's way of doing something. Right. And and when we make art, like when we have a relationship that is unique to us, that really comes from our true essence, our true identity, our true needs. Like, what are my needs? Not how does that look over there? You know, how does that relationship over there look? I want it to I want mine to be like that. Well, you know, I might be 
a different person with different needs and different requirements. And the more unique that my relationship is, like the more unique my art is, then it becomes more authentic. Yeah, it's it's coming to the truth of who you are in relationship, like being your truth in art. And I definitely think that it just comes out in our society with having these very happily ever after stories. You know, I want kids by 27. I want kids by 32, like this exact time and these, you know, standards of how someone should be when if we kind of release into the flow of the present, just like creating an art piece, the present moment of what do I need right now in this life? Right now I need me time. Right now I need my art time you know, I need my creative time or I need my chill time and my recovery, my introvert time. That's my authentic need, becoming present with that and not lost in the phone or lost in the where I should be's and the, you know, the shoulding of our lives. I think we can get to the presence and the core of kind of a lot of what Catherine Woodward Thomas talks about, about going to your authenticity and being in your truth will manifest the relationships you want to have, you know, just like, you know, doing everything you can in your practice to, you know, be present with the art you're creating or the way of life you're choosing to live. You know, if that feels good to you, live it that way. And I think relationships do come to those who embody that embodying the life you want to have, you know, will bring a lot of flow. Absolutely. And, and that also sometimes takes a lot of courage to go against the grain, you know, to go against the mainstream. You know, I know for myself and my partner, you know, we are, we are not living together. So this is something that we've chosen because of our unique needs at at this time in our life. You know, a lot of people will, will, will ask, well, why, you know, why you've been together two years? Why aren't you moving in with each other? Well, because it's just, it's not going to work for us, you know, right now anyways. So just having the courage to know what you need. And, and um, sometimes there is scrutiny, you know, sometimes there's criticism. So really being able to stand for yourself, like your art, you know, I remember, you know, the, some of the abstract painters, um, I was walking around the museum and, and hearing people say, well, what is that? That's like, I don't understand that. You know, it's just, I could make that painting, right? I've, I heard that. I would be in a museum and be in front of like this beautiful, um, I can't think of an abstract painter right now off the top of my head, but, you know, a color field painter. And someone would say, oh, I can make that. Missing the whole thing, right? <laughs> Missing the whole context of where where that art fits in, right? What the the meaning of that is? Yeah, it it really touches on the meaning of our relationships and what it really means to find, you know, people who enjoy meeting the needs of each other and supporting each other with those unique things, not forcing opposing needs and opposing wants onto each other, accepting how two people in combination can make something beautiful. And for certain amounts of time, beautiful things can happen. 
and accepting when those things are limited in time and embracing that beauty. And in relationships, things happen where not everything's going to be perfect. Rain check, letting you know not everything's going to be perfect. This is where art becomes a teacher of how can we creative problem solve in a way that maybe our ancestors did not, or maybe our culture does not tell us to do. Simply so. Because I think creativity is just a lens of viewing our relationships and thinking outside of the box about how am I interacting with somebody. If, for example, like my hypothetical partner at this time has a need to eat, but I, you know, I really want to get my chores done and I'm trying to finish something. Maybe I'm getting out late, you know, being, you know, stepping away from the enmeshment a little bit and saying, okay, you know, you need to eat right now, or we're going to have a really hard time together. So let's separate for a sec. You go take care of your own food. I'm going to let go of the whole dinner thing. You know, I'll figure it out later. You can hang out with me while I eat, while you've already eaten or have a snack. And I'm going to take care of what I need right now. That can do a lot. I think in relationships right now, and actually, you know, historically, this need to do everything together can be really draining and can take away the creativity and the trust that we can handle things separately. I'm not sure if you have any words on that, Dale, but, you know, the, it takes a lot of effort sometimes to really step back from that relational pull of being like one with everything. I don't know how you deal with that. Well, relationships definitely need space, right? Just like making art needs space. When we when we take the time to be with ourselves and kind of come away from the relationship, have some distance, then we come back, our intimacy is deeper. You know, when when there's this 24/7, you know, constantly, you know, togetherness, there can be issues with that. You know, there, I'm not saying that some couples don't do that and don't do that well. So it really, again, depends on who you are and your needs. But like making art, you know, sometimes my best ideas about creating a piece of art will come when I'm not anywhere near my materials, right? When I'm not sitting down, but when I'm driving my car, when I'm taking a walk then I will have the space and the time to kind of just let things come in without that pressure, right? And I think in our relationships, taking that, I I like to call it like breathing time. It's like a, a, a breathing space to let things, you know, change and grow and and reconnect with ourselves and then come back. Yeah, it it is okay for separation. It's interesting when I say the word separation, I even feel a slight funny feeling. You know what I mean? Do you feel that when you hear that word sometimes? Yeah, and because now we're talking about attachment, right? So these ruptures that we've had in in attachment. And then when we're away from our partner, how painful that can be can feel. And um yeah, and I don't. I'm, I'm not sure about how that one correlates to art, but um, I bet there's a way. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? How how can how can we work the, some metaphors into that? Because um, that's that's a big one in relationships. 
you know, how we attach to others, um, how, how that was modeled for us, and how we work with that with our partner, our different styles of attachment. Yeah, I definitely think that with the idea of separation and attachment, our fear of separation and distance, if you're, and just to give a little lens check, I think Dale and I are coming from, I'm at least coming from the more anxious perspective in this with enmeshment, like wanting closeness and the fear of separation where maybe an avoidant type would be like, ah, separation and be like not wanting the closeness. Okay. So making that differentiation. So closeness and separation with art. Um, I definitely think that we do need space from the art sometimes, just like we need closeness to it. And I just remember times where I'm going to take an anxious approach here where, you know, growing up, you know, and being alone and having, you know, people leave me, that is the core trauma of someone like myself. So what did I do during that time? I made art. I drew things. I had deep, dark feelings about being alone. I had crying times. I had sad times. I would go into the forest and imagine things. So I think when we are left in from our partners, we have a moment where we have this creative opportunity. You know, I'm going to take a hypothesis here. Maybe an avoidant person might find some beautiful moments of closeness and a creative dance when they get close to somebody, once they take that deep breath and step closer, you know? So there's a relief into the creative space of our feelings and our arts when we are left and when we turn closer, when we take that deep breath and get out of this anxious, fear, you know, sad mindset and shame space and enter holding that feeling. And art can hold that feeling for us. And it becomes a practice of doing that. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, I love that. And I can so relate because for me, and it sounds like for you, art was my comfort. It was kind of my way of expressing what I wasn't really allowed or able to express in my in my family, in my family of origin, or, or maybe because art goes so deep. It's not, it goes deeper than language, right? And I was a sensitive child and I had a lot. I had a lot that, that I needed to say. And through, through being able to express myself through these materials, I think it saved me. I think it was a great comfort and I think it saved me. It saved me from, you know, I don't know. I mean, cause I didn't have a great, I didn't have the childhood where I had a lot of support and people around me. So I also had that experience of being alone. And I think that was how I coped. I, I turned to the, the expression of art making. Yeah. And it is something that I think, you know, and to be clear, when me and Dale have been using art and creativity kind of interchangeably here for a reason where it's like, not everyone's an artist, but I do think everyone is creative or has the capacity to be creative. And getting in your mind about how you're not creative, I'm going to step back and let you know you are creative. You have that in your soul. There is a way in your life where you can be a part of the world, 
whether it's the gym, nature, in the pool, in the ocean, you know, in your room with a book, your writings, in any way where you can express thoughts that are in your imagination. So just letting you know that. And with the idea that when we're in relationship and we have those fears that our partners are leaving us or our partners are getting too close, that is an opportunity to pause, sit with yourself and what you're experiencing and take space or step closer into a creative space with each other. But I definitely want to say with yourself, because when we get in the anxious attachment space of codependency, where we're having a problem with our partners and getting in these hopeless loops of being close and, you know, pushing each other away, I think there's a deep importance of pausing and taking a time out. It's okay to take space for 20 minutes to regulate your nervous system. So you can be creative because when you have a dysregulated nervous system, it is proven that we are literally less creative. We split more often. We have more black and white thinking. So it's going to be harder for us to do that when we're in a nervous system state. So let's remember to pause when we're in relation and having some fights, having or having disagreements or being confused. If we can't hear each other, and we've said it multiple times, pause and come back to it. Talk to friends you know, be with your art, do what makes you feel centered in return. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I'm, I love that. And what's coming to mind now is um, just how important art has been for me in the act of self-love and, and the self uh, and the act of self-connection, because I, ha- I had a tendency to disassociate. You know, when I was in pain, I would literally kind of leave my body and go somewhere else. But making art, the act of art making, of sitting there with my watercolors, with my pens and my inks, brought me back. And it it reconnected me. And it it gave me a sense of self and, and agency and empowerment. Like something that I could take control of now i can i can make something and it can reflect back to me it's attuning with you and being present with you it is actually relating to you and so freud's idea that this is just some defense mechanism right see how it's unhelpful where young is like this is like part of our humanity here this is part of us interacting with our personal self and the world and our unconscious, right? Because our unconscious is always speaking to us, you know, whether we pay attention or not, you know, a lot of the time we ignore, but when, when you're creating art or, and very often when you're in a relationship, if you're not listening to what the unconscious is telling you, then there could be some mishaps. There could be some like places where you get stuck, where you stop growing, where you where you stop noticing, because our because really our unconscious has has great information for us. So the more we can we can hear and listen deeply and pay attention, I think you know the the more alive, the the more healthier, the more vibrant and full 
our our relationships will be. I think that's a great transition right now to our break because we'd love to go over with you guys about some creative problem solving and ways to work through these blockages in our relationships and how can we really embody a creative attitude towards relationships. So we're gonna take a break. for joining us for that little break and we just wanted to return with before our closing what we think helps relationships stay creative and how we can break through flow blocks in relationships and really get into that creative problem solving we've been talking about where we've talked a lot about you know what art is and how creativity is so helpful and functional for our relationships but how can we really do this and Dale I would Love, you can start us off with our first pointer we've kind of thrown down together. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's about moving through, you know, the blocks that come up in relationship, the different scenarios, and I and also about deepening connection. So, so you know, some some of the scenarios that can come up, you know, we can we can lose our confidence, we can become kind of victimized by our partners. So how can we use creativity to get through these times of either tumultuousness, distance, anger, hurt? How can we how can we use creativity to do that? So, you know, part of it is is having a willing partner. So often, you know, this is something that that needs to be agreed on and accepted. There is something going on with us right now. So having a conversation first and then let's let's do this together. Let's work on this together. And, you know, some of the ways to do that, depending on the situation, can be, you know, trying some new things together being more creative um, in where you go or what you do, trying new places, being more playful together, um, dancing, um, hiking, doing something experiential together. So it really, again, depends on, you know, the unique people that are, that are involved. Um, and this, this agreement, this decision to to do this together. Yeah, so more play with dancing, games, going to the park, you know, just playing conversations and humor, the bedroom, right? Things like that to help us have more joy and even access some of our childlike play that we forget in such an intense world. <laughs> intense world. Um so remembering to enjoy the lives that we have, right? Yeah, and that brings up the point, you know, about, you know, how art making can be can bring us back to that that place too. You know, the the child like quality of, you know, picking up a paintbrush and just kind of letting it rip. Just like not thinking, taking us out of our heads 
you know, when you're, when you're painting or when you're making, when you're drawing, you're, you're really in your body, right? And you're in this connection of, of mind, body, energy flow, right? And that's where we want to be in relationships, right? We don't want to be in our heads. We want to be in this flow of our body, mind, heart, right? So creativity absolutely lends itself to that. Another part there that I don't want to go forgotten is that when Dale is saying like in the mind where we don't want to get stuck there, pretty sure Dale's referencing it in the negative way and, you know, the unhealthy anxiety mind where actually also, if you don't feel like you're in a very artistic relationship, you guys can think together. I know one couple who philosophical discussion for hours about one topic gets them so excited. And I'm kind of one of those people too. I could talk for hours about concepts and society and history and gosh, do I enjoy a philosophical political banter so much. Um, So I just want to acknowledge that too, that that is play as well. If your play is playing on the scientific facts between one thing to another, and that feels spontaneous to you, like y'all better go to a museum together, watch some documentaries together and play with that as well. Just bringing that in. Yeah, definitely. I I didn't mean to, to say that, you know, our minds are not, are not good, useful tools and the intellect absolutely is, is really stimulating. And at the same time, it's much more enjoyable and much more pleasurable to be in our hearts and our bodies when we're having conversations, right? So we're not just talking heads, having these conversations, but we're really, we're participating with all of us. And, and we're, and, and, and that creates, um, I think a richer, fuller connection between two people. It creates presence. Yeah. And that gets into another point about where meditating together and separately when, right, like we said, when your nervous system is over aroused, um, can bring a more presence to a relationship, just like the presence with art, right? So eye gazing without speaking and breathing with what feelings come up for that and embodying that expression and feeling that. And um, just creating deeper connection through being present with this person that is alive right in front of you. Wow. Like that's amazing. So, and I think all these things, just like play and the arts and philosophy and these fun things we can do to break through these flow blocks. um, These are things you can do alone to return to partnership, but also like Dale said, you know, we're kind of talking about, these are things we can do together. Yeah. And there, there, it's also kind of a mindset, you know, it's a perspective. So you know, sometimes we get in this place where we think we know our partners, you know, we've got them. And and we kind of close, we close off. And similar to, to making art, you know, when you sit down with the same set of watercolors each time, but you can create something so different, right? Those colors blended together in different ways, in different symbols, different textures, and like our partners, we're all as people, we have, there's so much to us. So don't think you have your partner all figured out and that you know them, but really have, take a fresh perspective. 
like sitting down to to make a watercolor. You know, you're going to use the same colors, but you're going to make something completely different. Yeah. And giving your partner and yourself the opportunity to try new things and try. And if you don't know what to do, because the possibilities overwhelm you like myself all the time is try something you've always wanted to do. There's definitely something out there you've always wanted to do. Maybe your partner doesn't want to do it, but maybe they'll go with you and support you on doing that. Right. So I'm just throwing that out there. And along with that, the practice of just doing what you can in a kind way and respectful way when we're not in too deep of uh, nervous system arousal with our partners, but replacing fear and anxiety with laughter, which is a line from a Janine song that I like. Because fear and anxiety can come up as projected feelings. And one of the ways it comes up for me is through laughter. Um, and awkwardness, I can laugh sometimes. And sometimes if we can find a funny way and a funny kind way to reflect our partners back to themselves or reflect ourselves back to our partners, it can kind of bring down the stakes a little bit that we're not going to die because we disagree on what to eat. Isn't it so funny that I eat the same thing like every Friday? I take us to the same place every Friday and you really you don't want to go there but you just love me so much so you let me get that cod you know you know yeah that's very sweet yeah so so just bringing kind of the sweetness of creativity and looking at things in fresh ways and um, trying new things and being open and allowing instead of controlling and playing and keeping the relationship as colorful and (laughs) bright and interesting and unique as possible. Holding space for that darkness in a kind, loving, curious way without judgment and, you know, remaining open to new possibilities together. And holding space for distance and closeness and breathing through those moments that are triggering, getting in tune with ourselves to be in whole tune with the other person so that we can, you know, symbolize a relationship that has meaning and create meaning in our lives together. If you would like to join the conversation, please email Dale and I questions at sunny.nwrpodcast at gmail.com relating to anything dating and relationships. Please tune in with us every time we upload for more integrative conversations relating to the self and other. If you are interested in Dale Sprague's relationship coaching, please email her at dale at creativecorecoaching.com for private coaching sessions. Don't forget to follow our Instagram and Facebook at New Wave Relationships Podcast. 